We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. Broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studio, a recap episode. I am one of your hosts, Zach Pierce, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. It's our first recap episode of the year. We're going to keep it a little short for this one. But, man, a lot of bad from the Chicago Bears on week one on national television against the Green Bay Packers. They lose 10-3, to and it just feels like the world has ended. Aaron, what are your thoughts right away on that loss last night? It was terrible. I mean, I don't, I don't really think there's any other way around it. I mean, I, I don't think I've hid my feelings at all. Uh, I pretty much tweeted out some stuff after the game last night and then just kind of went out and had a few drinks and went and hung out with some friends and then, you know, kind of collected my thoughts and, and got some writing done today. But it's just, it's bad. I mean, I don't really know how else to put it. I mean, you have eight months, you know, in between the time that they lost the playoff game in heartbreaking fashion to the time that they play this game. They've had, they've known that the Packers are going to be, you know, the team that they're playing week one. They've had all this time to prep. Uh, and I mean, obviously the defense came out and played great. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and knock the defense at all. I obviously the defense is still elite. The defense is still a Super Bowl caliber defense. I mean, the, the, I, I think there's arguments to be made when this is all said and done that they could be just as good, if not better than last year, but offensively, what the hell? Like, I, I don't, you know, it's one of those things, like, when we've talked about on this podcast multiple times, uh, it, 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 it just gets to a point with Trubisky where you can't defend him. I mean, it's just as simple as that. You cannot defend the guy. 
And people could sit here and say all they want that, oh, you can't compare him to Patrick Mahomes. You can't compare him to Deshaun Watson. Well, what the hell are you supposed to compare him to? Because you have a guy that I'm not even going to knock the trade up because you have conviction. You go out and you get your quarterback, right? But the problem is, is they clearly drafted the wrong quarterback. I, I don't think I, – I think it's – at this point, it's it's clearly safe to say on Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is world world better. And I'm not going to say that I had him higher rated than Trubisky because I didn't. I had him. Mahomes is a mid to, mid to late first round talent because I thought developmentally he needed to go to the right situation. I don't think he would have been that great for the Bears just because of the situation that he went to. But even you look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, right? Deshaun Watson is clearly better than Trubisky, has clearly played better in general than Trubisky outside of the playoff game. And then you look at Trubisky, and if you want to just look at development on a year-to-year level, that's fine. But I don't understand how Trubisky can – can leave off on the note that he left off last year, especially in the second half of that playoff game. Then he comes out uh, last night and looks completely lost. I just, I don't understand. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The offensive play calling was terrible, but I don't understand how this, this guy can come out on a weekly basis. It seems like every other week. And he, it, you just don't know what you're going to get. At least with Cutler, you knew that the guy knew what the hell he was looking at on the field and you knew exactly what he was going to be able to do. It was just a matter of if he was going to throw interceptions that game or not. Like with Trubisky, I'm not sold that he actually knows what the hell he's looking at on the field. And I'm also not sold that he's sold that he's actually an NFL quarterback. Am I wrong for that? No. Um, and, you know, I know you were a fan of Trubisky coming out. I was a big fan of Trubisky coming out. Um, I don't knock the trade up just because of what you said. Like, you, you have your guy, you go get him. You do what it takes, you'll get him, no matter what the reports say. But, man, it is hard watching Patrick Mahomes, a generational talent, an MVP that threw 50-plus touchdowns last season, and wonder, like, are the Bears really going to waste another Super Bowl caliber defense on a quarterback that cannot lead an offense? It's it's bad, man. And last night was just all around outside the defense and, and – um, Eddie Pinero and Pat O'Donnell. I mean, it was an all-around disaster. And, and what just is mind-boggling to me is, you know, we're going to get into a lot of this stuff because there's a lot I want to talk about what happened. But 200, what, 40-plus days, you knew about the Green Bay Packers. Th- this city was like being there last night. I walked through the tailgating lot. I walked, just kind of took it all in. It, it was excitement. Like, it felt like the entire city, the whole day, like the, the jewel by me was was packed people getting their stuff, getting ready for the game. It's like, I don't get what the hell happened. Like, did the moment get too big for them? And and, and that is a worry for me because, you know, I, I think this is a good team. I still think they have a legit shot this year. But it's like, how do you fold like that? And how do you, like, you know, just come out flat? You know, the defense sets a tone, gets a three and out right away. Soldier Field is rocking, is loud. And then it's just like the offense comes out flat, and it's like, okay, you know what? A little rust here. Give him a quarter. Then you're in the second quarter, and you're like, all right, rust maybe takes a half. Then you're in the third quarter, and you're like, what the heck are they doing? Then you're in the fourth quarter, and by that time, it's like, you know, gee, maybe they should have got some reps in the preseason, or, or, or maybe, you know, Matt Nagy's not as good of an evaluator of his team as we think he is, because correct me if I'm wrong here, all offseason, would we hear this offense is ready? This offense is taking the next step. What? He called it 202. They're, they're ready to take that next step. Uh, that did not look like a team last night that's ready to take the next step. No, it didn't. And, and again, it, it's one of those things, and I haven't really, just because I, I don't have the, the emotional capacity to do it, uh, I, I, I've seen some people make the argument on Twitter, it's just one game. 
In terms of the 2019 season, I agree. It's just one game. They could get things figured out. The issue that I have right now with this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball and with Matt Nagy, is we're seeing common trends that are not just one year, and that's the issue. I mean, when you talk about when you talk about Trubisky, <clears throat> and you compare his primetime game numbers to his other game numbers, I mean, in terms of if he never played on primetime, then he would probably be a top 10 quarterback right now based on numbers alone. Problem is, is that's just not simply realistic, especially when you're a good team, right? You're going to have primetime games. And the other, the other argument that I'm going to say here as well is that what do you think playoff games are? Playoff games are primetime games. What happens when you get to the Super Bowl and the entire world is watching a lot more than what, what was watching last night? That's the biggest primetime game out of any sport in America. And that's the thing. So it's like you can sit here and say, well, he just needs to get better in primetime games. Well, at what point is he going to? Because he's been in multiple primetime games. He had, what was it? I think it was two primetime games when he was uh, in his rookie year. His he debut. Had, his his first had, game. Yeah, exactly. He had the one in his first game. And I want to say that there was another one. I could be wrong. But either way, and then he had, what, five last year? And it's like, mm-hmm. so at what point is he going to figure this out? And then my other thing is, and, and again, these are trends. These aren't just this happened last night and, you know, this is the outlier, is Matt Nagy abandoning the run game in big games, in close games. It doesn't make any sense. He did the same shit. He did the same exact thing with the Chiefs in the play in their playoff game. He did the same exact thing last year multiple times. And that's the thing is people are going to say, well, they ran the ball six most out of anybody. Okay, that's fine. But you have to look at that from a game-to-game situation. And again – he, he, there has to be more consistency running the ball. It's like he said, you know, the, the, the argument all all offseason has been, well, Jordan Howard made this offense one-dimensional because he didn't fit. He didn't know how to catch the ball. So what did they do last night? David Montgomery gets seven touches. Seven. He had one catch and six rushes. Mike Davis didn't even have 20 yards, and I think he had a few catches. It's like, why? I mean, in, in terms of what they actually did, in terms of overall pass attempts, when you look at it, they had – 53 plays that were supposed to be passes. There was, I think, five that Trubisky got stacked on, and there was three that he scrambled on, and there was 12 actual designed rushing plays. Just think about that for a second. They had 15 rushes, and three of those were on Trubisky's scrambles last night. They ran the ball 12 freaking times, 12 times out of almost 70 plays. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And to kind of go back to Jordan Howard – because this is actually a topic I really want to spend a, little, a couple minutes on here. Um, you know, I was I was in favor of getting rid of Jordan Howard. I didn't think he fit the offense. I know you were too. Still don't think what Jordan Howard does fits this offense. However, if you go and trade Jordan Howard in the offseason, then you turn around and you trade up to get a running back that you've praised the entire offseason. And not only that, how many how how many snaps did David Montgomery play in the preseason? He played a quarter of the preseason, and Matt Nagy thought, okay, that's enough. No more David Montgomery in the preseason. Set out the final three games, and he comes out in week one, and David Montgomery has seven touches, six rushing attempts, one in the second half, one rushing attempt in the second half. What the hell are you doing? Like it, it, this is your back. This is the guy you wanted. This is the guy that we hear he's very tough to break down, bring down. And we've seen that. You look at his college, he's very tough to break down. And you go away from the guy. It, 
I, I just I do not know what Matt Nagy was doing last night, and I just it's, it brings you up to another point. I, I want to get into that. Let's let's hit our first break really quick because I really want to get into something about Matt Nagy and this whole rushing thing that's just mind boggling to me. So let's hit our first break really quick. And we'll come back and recap the rest. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp. Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. Um, Aaron, let's get right back into it. We're talking about the rushing woes for the Chicago Bears. Um, yeah, you said it. Jeez, uh, the, they had, what, 12 designed runs called in the game. Um, David Montgomery had six carries. Mike Davis had um, five. Cordova Patterson had one. And Mitchell Trubisky had three, but, you know, the three were not designed quarterback runs. If I told you this, and, I, and you, you say you didn't look at the score, and I told you the Bears had called 12 runs, and they wouldn't call a running a rushing play for 20 Five minutes in the game. I think it was 10, like 10.33 mark in the third quarter was their last rushing attempt. What would you think the score was in that game? Oh, man. Uh, you, I mean, you'd, you'd think it's a shootout, right? Yeah. Or or the Bears are down, you know, 21 and they got to hurry up or, you know, something like that. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I'm just – I'm trying to think logically about this and, and – <laughs> Not and not have an emotional answer. Yeah, you would you would think that the offense needed to score a lot. Yes, and guess what? It was a seven to three game until five minutes and fifteen seconds left in the fourth quarter. What are you doing? How like I get it? You can get caught up in the moment. You know, coaches on the sideline they have a lot of responsibilities. But there's you can't tell me no one on that sideline. Oh hey hey coach, we only have twelve rushing. Maybe we should run the ball. We're we're too one dimensional right now. Or Matt Nagy maybe thinking in his head, hey, you know, we are a little one-dimensional. Let's maybe, you know, do some runs to kind of throw them off balance here. Granted, the offensive line played awful. Um, I think what the Bears wanted to do early on was come out and run the football and set the tone. Because, you know, look at this Packers defense. You know, up front, in the middle, they're kind of weak at linebacker. Um, up front, you can beat them up front there um, on their defensive line. But it's like the Bears' offensive line was getting owned. I mean, they were missing blocks left and right. James Daniels was slipping. Cody Whitehair had a bad game. Kyle Long had arguably the worst game of his career. And it's like they weren't going to run off tackle. And they tried going inside, and they just they couldn't do it. And then I think what Matt Nagy saw was, oh, well, we can't do that. We better throw the ball to Trubisky 50 times. Well, and see, I guess that's my confusion, though, is – they were, and that—that's that—that's, I guess, a bigger issue for me, right? Is, I mean, I mean, we could sit, we could probably talk for this about three hours here of just all the stuff wrong that happened on offense. So, one, one thing I want to touch on is the snap counts because why the hell is Anthony Miller only getting 23% of the snaps? That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. David Montgomery didn't even have 50% of the snaps, and I think Mike Davis had just over 50% of the snaps. There was, I think, there were seven total players that had more snaps. Uh, offensive players that have more snaps than Anthony Miller. That, to me, doesn't make any sense. But when you're talking about the overall offensive balance, when you're talking about the play calling, 
my confusion is, you know the offensive line is struggling, right? Okay, so just let's just go back and let's remember how the, the Packers finally started moving the ball offensively because the, the Packers actually moved the ball decent in terms of they were, you know, they, there was multiple times that they got into the, to, you know, the Bears field and were able to do different things. And obviously there were sacks, penalties, whatever, and they only ended up scoring 10 points. But they moved the ball a lot better than the Bears did overall. One of the main reasons that their offense was able to get going, Aaron Rodgers was terrible the first, like, three drives of the game. The one, the one of the main reasons that they were able to get things going, especially in the passing game, was because they changed things up, changed things up and they went to a short, quick passing game. That was something that we hardly saw the Bears do the entire game. It's like from the very beginning we saw, we all saw it. There's no way that Matt Nagy didn't see it, where Trubisky was clearly uncomfortable. He was shuffling in the pocket. It was like every single time that his one read that he stared down, that's the, one of the things he did almost the entire game, is he stared down either one side of the field or one receiver the entire time. And as soon as that one receiver wasn't open, his eyes dropped and he took off running. That was what he tried to do. So it's like instead of allowing him to sit back in a pocket where your offensive line is struggling, why not get a few quick strikes going? Why not do a few different things with the run game? Why not? There was multiple things that they could have done to be able to establish some sort of rhythm offensively and some sort of consistency and some sort of comfort for Trubisky, and he didn't do it. So it's like for as much as I want to sit here and rag on Trubisky, it's like you look at the offensive game plan. You look at what Matt Nagy did, and it's like, what are you thinking? You know, it's, and that's the thing is he can sit there and defend some of these plays, but it's like the third one. Granted, I mean, James Daniels, like you said, he slipped, and the uh, good chance that Walter Payton himself, like Matt Nagy said today, Walter Payton himself probably wouldn't have got that one yard. But why in the hell do you have Corderell Patterson in the backfield on a third and one situation trying to run the ball? That doesn't make any sense. You have Mike Davis for a reason. You have David Montgomery for a reason. It's the same exact concept. They had another third and one where they got fancy with it. And then Trubisky was going to throw the ball, and then he decided to scramble, and then all of a sudden he just ended up taking a sack. It's like it doesn't make any sense. You don't need to be smarter than everybody else. You don't need to be fancy. Get the one yard. Make some short throws. Establish the running game. Do something. Like it just. It, 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 I'm not going to take anything away from the Packers defense because obviously the Packers defense <clears throat> did some very nice things. Uh, I, th- I thought, especially in coverage, they were – much better than I would have anticipated them being, especially uh, Kevin King. I thought Kevin King had a pretty damn good game. But at the same time, it's like, why why are you making it so easy on the defense? Like, as soon as it's the same concept, the Bears have a much better defense than the Packers. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about that one game. The Bears have a better defense than the Packers do. And the one way that the Packers were able to expose the Bears defense and start getting things moving was when they went to a quick strike offense. It's the same exact thing they did last year in the second half when Aaron Rodgers came back in, when they didn't want him getting hit. That's one of the best ways to not get your quarterback hit. You get him in a rhythm, you get the ball out quick. They pointed that out on the broadcast multiple times. So if they can point it out on broadcast, if we all know it, then why the hell doesn't Matt Nagy know it? And again, this isn't just one instance. This happened decent amount last year. This happened in the Chiefs playoff game. This is not something that just randomly came about yesterday and it's something that we shouldn't worry about because it's an outlier. These are all consistent things that we're talking about that have been an issue in the past for the bears. You get all these fits. You're supposed to be in year two. Like you pointed out year two of what that looked like. That looked like year zero of God knows what of an offense. I don't even know like that. Oh, that looked bad. They look like a college offense under a new head coach that has no idea what he was doing. Well, and that's the thing. So it's like, if you sit here and you tell me, 
Like if I if I don't know anything about the Bears, if I don't know anything about football, and you tell me before the game, you say this is one of the better offensive minds, or this is what people view as one of the better offensive minds of football. He came from Andy Reid, who is one of the best offensive minds ever in the game of football. And then all of a sudden I watched that game last night. I'm looking at that saying, this dude has no clue what he's doing. Obviously, I'm not saying that's the case with Matt Nagy. What I'm saying is that was a terrible game plan. And I think it – and I'm not going to jump to this conclusion yet. But what I will say is by the end of the year, if these issues continue to arise in terms of the play calling, in terms of the lack of balance, I do think that Matt Nagy needs to seriously consider – handing the play call duties off to somebody else because I just, I don't know. He was never a play caller up until the last eight games in Kansas city. Uh, he had really cool moments last year. I think in terms of being an offensive mind, I think he's a very good offensive mind. I think the designs of what he does is very impressive and I think it can work, but I think in terms of him actually calling his own plays and putting that in game live game situations where he has to be able to think on the fly I think that is where I'm having a little bit of issue and where I'm – I'll just say I'm, I'm concerned. Like I said, I'm not saying give up play call duties right now, but I'm saying if this continues to be an issue uh, and we're in week 16 or week 17, then I think there needs to be some serious conversations as to maybe getting a play caller in there that actually has experience and knows what he's doing and maybe that will get the offensive next step because I'm sorry, but last night was just simply unacceptable on many levels. And a lot of that came from Matt Nagy. Yeah, you're right. You hit it right in the head there. And I, you know, I want to ask you this. Um, do you think he's in over his head a little bit? Do you think he tries to get too cute on, on some things? Cause I get it. Okay. Your first offensive player, you're doing the T formation and odd to the bears history. I get it. God, the Bears were bailed out in that play because that play was a disaster from the start. And then you look, um, and you have uh, Cordero Patterson in the backfield. You bring in Bradley Soule, a tight end who's literally on the roster to block. And he put Cordero Patterson in the backfield on a third and short. Everyone in the world knows what you're doing. Literally, everyone in the world knows what you're doing. You're running with Cordero Patterson. What happens? James Daniels slips. I get that. You get stuffed. But if Daniels doesn't slip, there's still another guy that comes in unblocked right there. They brought the blitz. Bears ran right into the blitz, and it backfired. For me, I just – I don't know, man. It, like I felt like after that Eagles playoff game, I was telling some people, it felt like you know Matt Nagy didn't want to run his offense you know, in fear of Doug Peterson knows what, what's going to happen. And maybe he wanted to play it a little safer and, and just run a conventional offense. And then this week, it's like, what the heck are you doing? Like I, the game, if, if someone could tell me what the game plan was and explain to me, that'd be great. Cause I have no idea what the heck that game plan was and what Matt Nagy was planning on doing. Now, granted, I trust him. Um, I, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. Yeah. The offense really struggled. Um, against the Packers, but still, man, it took an offensive struggle for the Packers to win a game that was one possession the entire way. So I, I, I have some hope. I just, I, obviously the first thing that needs to be cleaned up is this offense and it starts with Nagy and it starts with Trubisky. Cause I, I'm with you on Trubisky. I don't think he's got it right now. He's making the same mistakes, but he's not getting his feet set. His hips aren't turned right. He's thrown off his back foot. And, and the thing that, man, the thing that really bothers me when I watch his game, how many times is this guy going to turn his damn back to the defense on a play? Like, you, you, you can't do that. 
Well, that, I mean, it's that's that's the thing, though, is like, because, I mean, you're pointing out mechanical stuff. I mean, just think about the mental aspect of what Trubisky's doing. I mean, the guy simply isn't reading defenses. I mean, he's he's not even, and that's, that's the other thing that bothers me about this, is we're talking about a guy that's supposed to be in year two, and all we've heard all offseason, all preseason, even, even last night on the broadcast was, Trubisky knows this offense up and down. If there's one guy on this offense that knows it, it's Trubisky. I don't, I don't buy that. Sorry, I don't buy that at all. I, there, there's no I'm with way you. Oh, offense. I'm with you. And and guess what? The mechanical stuff that I brought up, you can fix that. Mechanics can be fixed. It's easier to fix in the mental part of the game. A mental part for the quarterback is very tough to get into that role and 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 have that mentality where, okay, I'm I'm getting better this way. Mechanics you can fix if you really work at it. You can fix mechanics, and that should have been fixed. But you're right, man. I mean, look, what did you see last night? When you look at Trubisky's, when you look at Trubisky, when you're watching the game, and I've gone back, kind of watched some, watch some stuff again. Um, looking at him, he looks at his first read right away. Looks at his first option right away. That's Allen Robinson. When it's not there, he does not go through his progressions. He tucks it, and runs, and then he looks up again to see, oh, where's Allen Robinson? It's like, dude, you have to go through your progressions. Like, how many times did he miss a wide-open receiver on the field? I, I think it was at least four or five times, at yeah. least. There was a lot more than that. That's not even that's not even counting just the throws in general that he Oh, missed. yeah. It, Again, it, but that's what it, I'm yeah. saying. Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos said he knew exactly when they called, when they got out on the field on that third down, on that, that when Trubisky threw that uh, interception into the end zone, Adrian Amos said he knew exactly what play it was and exactly where Trubisky was going. So, and that's, and I guess that kind of brings up a bigger point to even something like next week. And obviously, we'll get into next week a lot more next week. But if Adrian Amos, who's one damn player off the Bears' defense from last year, knew exactly what Trubisky was doing, then what do you think Big Fangio is going to be able to do to him next week? And oh, it's. Oh, that's the thing. So it's like we saw. Everybody wants to knock somebody like Jared Goff, right? Everybody wants to knock Jared Goff because he had that bad performance against the Bears. He had the bad performance in the Super Bowl. You know, oh, they got him figured out. All you got to do is pressure him. You shut down the run game. You pressure him. He's a terrible quarterback. Okay, well, I mean, frankly, I mean, it's it's been pretty well documented how to shut down Trubisky. So it's like it's the same concept. And quite frankly, at this point, I'd much rather have Jared Goff than Trubisky as a quarterback. I, I mean, all mobility aside, at least – at least I know Goff isn't going to choke in big situations for the most part. I mean, that's then that's kind of where it's at right now. Is And that's the other thing with Trubisky that's confusing is I say that. I say that he chokes in big situations. But it's not that he chokes in big situations. It's that he plays like crap in big games. And even when he plays yeah. like crap in big games, he still somehow has a better fourth quarter. It doesn't the, – the, the rise and fall of Trubisky, when you look at a quarter-to-quarter basis with him – throughout his entire career has always been really weird because he's usually pretty strong in the first. He tails off in the second. He's usually terrible in the third. And then randomly, you know, usually a few minutes into the fourth quarter, all of a sudden he's a different quarterback. And it's like, I mean, that was one of the things that, uh, that Brett Coleman had uh, also kind of pointed out when he was doing his film breakdown is the, the rise and falls of each quarter and each performance from Trubisky from quarter to quarter, from play to play. It's like, None of that is changing, though. That's the concern that I have right now. And and I, I'm not going to make any rash judgments or because, I, you know, I'm not a psychologist. But it also kind of makes you wonder if maybe there's something mentally going on in terms of 
maybe he just doesn't have the capacity to deal with high pressure games like that until it gets to a certain point where he feels comfortable. I mean, that's just really about the only thing I can come to at this point, because again, his primetime track record in terms of numbers and all that stuff really speak for themselves. And I mean, if you really go back and look at those numbers from primetime games, I mean, they're terrible. I mean, there's just really no other way to put it. He's a terrible quarterback and that's what the national media and that's what people around the league. And that's what fans around the league are going to see because they're not going to watch the bears on a weekly basis. They're not going to see the games against Tampa Bay. They're not going to see the games against Detroit. They're not going to see the games against green Bay when green Bay is already eliminated. And it's only interesting for bears fans because they're able to clinch the division. They're going to see the games against Minnesota. They're going to see the games last night. They're going to see the games against the Rams. Those are the kind of games that they're going to see. And that's the, and that's kind of, I guess that's another eye-opener for Bears fans, including myself, is this is the reason everybody thinks Trubisky sucks, is because when they watch him in primetime games, he does suck. And that's something that we as Bears fans have to be able to accept as well, is frankly, when most people are watching this guy, he does suck. And that's just really what there is to it. And that's what they have to that's what they have to figure out. I mean, that's really what it is. They have to if, – if the Bears are going to be any sort of Super Bowl contender at all and if Trubisky is going to be that quarterback for a contender, they're in the middle of a contention window. But I can tell you right now, if, if this is the way Trubisky is going to be, there's no way they're ever winning a Super Bowl. I mean, it's just really as simple as that. So they've got to get it figured out. If they want to get anywhere near a Super Bowl, they cannot simply rely on the defense and basically just hope and you know, you know, put on their lucky stars and hoping that – Trubisky is going to magically have that one game where he's where he doesn't freak out in the primetime setting. Well, you're I mean, you're right. I mean, Bears fans want to argue, want to complain. Oh, the national media doesn't give us any respect. I think Trubisky sucks. You're right, because he hasn't been good in primetime. That's what the nation sees. You're absolutely right about that. So until he changes that. Yeah, the Bears are kind of stuck. They're just kind of running in place. I, I do like what you said about the fourth quarter, though, because last night in that fourth quarter, he started off pretty well. That drive that they had that was marching down, I think he went like three for four in his first four attempts and had like 45 yards, and he had two really good throws to open up that drive. It, I think it was the start of the fourth quarter. And then, you know, they go down, and I believe that was a drive that they ended up getting like first and 40 because they shot themselves in the foot with too many penalties. Yeah, it's it's odd, man. It's just he's he's got to turn it around. Um, I don't I, – I, I'm not giving up on him yet. I think, yeah, quarterbacks can turn things around. But, man, we're seeing a lot of the same stuff. He's The same mistakes he's been making his entire career. Like, there's no progression at all. There's no step forward at all. Um, is it possible he takes a step forward? I guess so. If I had a bet on it right now, I'd say no. I would put all my money on no. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. So let me ask you this before we go into the good, because I want to talk a little bit about what actually was good. Do you think there's any chance Trubisky turns this around this year? I mean, I, I absolutely. I think there's a chance. I mean, again, we, and especially for me, uh, can't get too emotional in terms of, you know, he, what Trubisky had two good drives in the, in the opening game last year, and then he looked like crap, and he looked like crap against Seattle, and then he looked terrible against Arizona. Then all of a sudden, Tampa Bay rolled around. And I won't lie. I would after that Arizona game. I was at that Arizona game, and. I was sitting in an area where you could literally see the entire field. You could see everything just, you know, kind of building around him and watching plays unfold. And he was terrible. I mean, there's just really no other way to put it. I was very close to hitting that button of Trubisky sucks. And then all of a sudden he turned it around, you know, Tampa Bay game. And then, I mean, he had a little bit of ups and downs, but for the most part, he was good. So, yeah, I think there's, 
there's a chance that he can turn around. My concern is more of, I don't want to see the same roller coaster as last year. That's the entire point. I mean, that's exactly what we've talked about multiple times here. That's exactly what I've wrote about multiple times. I don't want to see the ups and downs anymore. I don't want to see every week something different. I want to see the consistency. If you're consistently average and, you know, you have, uh, you know, above average games or great games at some point, that is something that the Bears can deal with. The issue is, is when you're, when you have those highs and lows and when you have, what, five or six lows uh, a year, if maybe seven, I mean, if we're being completely realistic, where you just flat out suck and then you have, let's just say, four games where you're average and the rest you're good or great, I mean, that's not that's not good. That's not a good product that you can deal with. That was one of the issues with Cutler. I mean, you need to be consistently close to average. I mean, obviously, you're going to have a bad game every once in a while, but if you have a level playing of average playing and then, like I said, you have you know, six, seven good games or great games, that is something that you can deal with. But the consistency is the issue. And that has been my concern all along. And that continues to be my concern is we're going to see, I'm not saying that we're not going to see a few great games from Trubisky this year. I'm sure we will. I I have no doubt in my mind about that. My concern is, is that we're still going to see the inconsistencies in the bad games like we saw last night. That, that's my bigger concern. Those are what the Bears can't afford because the Bears can't afford something like that going into the playoffs if they even make it to the playoffs this year. I'm not, I'm not giving up on this team, but it's also – I think this is kind of a harsh reality check right here where if Trubisky – one, if the league has figured him out, which I don't think – I don't even think that's really possible. But if, if you know you got one year of film on him, whatever, they got one year of film on the Nagy offense, if this is like a Tressman type thing where – you know, year one was pretty good, and then year two everything's figured out. Then obviously that's a big issue. I think more realistically, though, it's just again, it's 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 about the consistency. And I still think that as of right now, I have no I have no reason to believe that Trubisky is randomly going to figure this out. Where all of a sudden he's just going to have those average to good to great games, and we're not really going to see those super lows. Like I have a feeling that within probably the next five or six games, we're going to see at least one more low. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was against Denver next week. That's that's my entire point. Like, I don't want to see him follow the same trajectory he did last year. You need steps in the right direction. And unfortunately, not only was last night not a step in the right direction, I would say it was two or three steps back. I mean, again, that was probably one of the worst professional games, if not the worst professional game that I've seen from Trubisky. And before, you could at least excuse it as, oh, he was a rookie, he was learning a new offense. There's no excuse, and that's kind of where I'm at with Trubisky. There's no excuse. It's either it's put up or shut up time. This is a prove it year. If he's doing the same stuff a few weeks from now, I'm out completely. I won't lie. I, I was a huge fan of Trubisky. I had him as my number one quarterback. I mean, there, I'm I'm not going to sit here and 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 make it sound like I didn't want him or anything like that. I love Trubisky. I was I was shocked that they drafted somebody that I actually liked. But again, this is it. This is the year. I'm sorry, this is the year because you can't continue to waste a competition window on a quarterback that is inadequate. I'm not saying that Trubisky's inadequate yet. What I am saying, though, is that every single time these little slip-ups happen and every single time that these inconsistencies happen, there's more and more doubt that creeps into my mind. And at this point in time right now, this is probably the most I've ever doubted Trubisky being the franchise quarterback for the Bears long-term. And I'm not saying that he can't be. But I'm saying that there's there's simply a lot of doubt in my mind of whether he's ever going to be the quarterback that I thought he was going to be when he was drafted. Well, yeah, and the thing, I mean, if the Bears want to make the playoffs this year and they want to be a legit Super Bowl contender, 
Mitchell Trubisky's got to take that next step. He's got to develop. He's got to show some progress. And he starts next week with the Broncos. If he comes out and he plays a good game against the Broncos, the arrow starts pointing the other way. He's got to, but he's got to consistently string together those performances. Because if not, man, the Bears are going to be in trouble. But there was actually some good. The Bears' defense was really good again last night. Um, they did have the hiccup where Deion Bush was in for high, Clinton Dix. I believe Isaiah Irving was in a couple plays for Leonard Floyd in the drive. Um, they got fooled on a play action. Aaron Rodgers took advantage to the deep pass to, um, uh, uh, oh, man, I forgot his name. Um, MVS, uh, Valdez Scanting. Yeah, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yep. And, you know, they kind of fell asleep on that play action where, thank God for, uh, um, Prince of Mukamura didn't get burned bad because that would have been a touchdown. But, you know, and then on an actual touchdown, Aaron Rodgers threw that up for grabs. That was a jump ball. And Jimmy Graham's a tall, tight end. But goodness, I mean, you made Jimmy Graham look like the Jimmy Graham from, what, seven, eight years ago when he was actually out there just balling out. He, he's, he's not really that good. And Rodgers struggled. So outside of that drive, I thought the Bears defense played really well. And I think, you know, we talked about all offseason the whole – nation oh the bears defense is going to regress they're not they're not able to do what they did last season well they're not on pace for the takeaways but damn they did not look like the unit that was going to regress instead it looked like the offense was going to regress uh rather than the defense yeah and and that's that's kind of the funny thing like you know just just about this in general like you know i i think most people thought the bears offense would stay the same or you know progress a little bit but I, I mean most of everything that I read and I'm sure you're kind of the same way was defense was going to regress in a big way Vic Fangio apparently and I'm not taking anything away from Vic Fangio Vic Fangio is a very good offensive mind or sorry very good defensive minded coach but it it's one of those things when you actually go back and you look at the defenses that he had before when they lacked talent they weren't good he's not a miracle worker that's the entire point of what I'm trying to say here he's a very good defensive mind he's not a miracle worker so when he leaves and he takes Bryce Callahan and, you know, Adrian Amos obviously left as well, but they replace them with two suitable replacements or close to suitable, you know, when they're on the back end of your importance of 12 players on the defense side of the ball that see the, the, that, that see the field a lot, uh, it's not really a huge thing. But then we see last night, it's like the Bears shut down, and I mean shut down, uh, you know, a running back in Aaron Jones, who a lot of people believe is going to have a really good year. Aaron Rodgers. Regardless. Yeah, that hurt my fantasy team, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, whether, you know, most people want to admit it or not. And they did a great job of not only getting to him, but outside of a few, there was what basically two really big plays that happened outside of that. I mean, they did a very good job and they held them to 10 points. And that's kind of the entire point here is that the Bears – defense is still elite it's not going anywhere I, I i mean obviously you know barring injuries the bears had what was a five sacks last night or six sacks either way they uh, have six sacks. yeah and, and cleo mack didn't have one of them so it's like that just kind of shows you like they are capable of producing even when Khalil mack's not racking up the numbers uh i think buster screen actually and i had to go i didn't need to go back and kind of watch in the all 22 from what i saw from buster screen buster screen was pretty damn good I thought Ha Ha Clinton Dix looked pretty good as well. Um, obviously, Roy Robertson Harris was, I mean, he, he's one of those guys, and he's kind of like Bilal Nichols. It seems like when one of them has a good game, the other one's quiet and vice versa. But Roy Robertson Harris showed up, and then Leonard Floyd, man, I mean, he just, 
And I, I need to see it against other teams, but he is so damn good against the Packers. And last night, I mean, there was just there was just a different animal with Floyd last night, though, because usually Floyd will win with move, he'll win with speed, he'll win with whatever. He won multiple different ways last night, including power against one of the best left tackles in football. Yeah, uh, I just you know to go back to bus before I want to talk a little bit about Floyd, but. Um, to go back, yeah, Buster Skrine and uh, Clinton Dix were actually pretty damn good um, in that game. I didn't think there was a weak link at all on the Bears' defense. Um, Outside of Deion Bush. I mean, Deion yeah, Bush. Yeah, well, reserve. I mean, I, so I say starters. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah. I I still want an explanation on that. I really do. I, I still want well, an explanation on why Deion Bush was out there for an entire series, the series that they gave up their only touchdown, and he was responsible for both big plays. Yeah, we've asked Matt Nagy twice. Uh, we asked him last night. We asked him today, and and he still does not have an answer. But I mean, I like what Chuck Pagano did. I thought Chuck Pagano had a really good game. I can't blame him for giving up that touchdown. It's just the personnel was not there. If if Haha's on the field, I don't think the Packers have a touchdown there. And I think you know we look we could be looking at maybe a six three Packers win or a six three Bears win, whatever. Um, I thought the defense was well. I don't think there's a weak link on the starting unit. And and you said it. Cleo Mack didn't even have a sack. The Bears had five sacks, by the way. That was my fault. Um, Cleo Mack didn't even have a sack. He probably should have had one where he got to the quarterback, and I think they credited Ray Robertson Harris with it. Um, but, man, it's just to see those guys on the defensive line. Akeem Hicks kind of struggled a bit. That was probably the one thing I was a little worried about. He had one sack, but early on, man, he just wasn't getting a lot of pressure himself, um, losing the battle up front. But I think that was cardio because they had him. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, he's seen it up. Lot. Yeah, they had them standing up too. Yeah, so I, and that's kind of the thing too to kind of keep in mind with these first few weeks of the season, kind of like we saw last year. Uh, the majority of the sacks and the pressure and all that stuff is going to come in the first half of the game because a lot of these guys are going to tire out. And again, going back to next week, I mean, you're playing an elevation next week. That that that's just a. I hope the Bears have a plan in place for that because they've got an extended time off. Uh, I think they need to get those guys up there a few days early and do some sort of conditioning or some sort of practicing to get them used to the elevation because it's kind of like Miami with a heat, um, you know, last year where, I mean, everybody was kind of bogged down and the defense started making a ton of mistakes and they couldn't tackle late in the game. I think we could see something very similar with the elevation where maybe we don't see it right off the bat, but we're going to see it eventually because these guys are going to tire out and still early. I mean, they didn't play in the preseason. I mean, and I'm not, that's not a knock. I don't, I don't, I still don't have an issue with them not playing the preseason. But what I'm saying is I, I this is to kind of be expected, and these guys are going to bog down at certain times, and it's just it's something that I think they need to be able to prepare, prepare for a little bit, especially when you're talking about Denver. Yeah, I imagine they will bring him up an extra day early. Uh, I, I want to say I read a piece last year that kind of uh, – man, I wish I had the site. I'll dig it up for our next podcast – but the writer talked to a couple or did some um, reporting on a couple teams that have played early in Denver um, early in the season to kind of, you know, um, look to see if they traveled early, if they spent the extra day there, what they did for the um, the altitude there. And I want to say most teams, instead of traveling Friday night or Saturday morning, whatever it is, they go a day before. Um, the Bears are scheduled to be at Hellas Hall Friday. So, um the, the, they the, might leave Friday night. Something. It does not say. It does not tell us when they leave. Um, but they they are scheduled to have an open locker room Friday morning. Yeah. See, they they need to. That's the kind of stuff. Like if you're going to be 
if you're going to be a championship caliber team, like this is a kind of this is the kind of stuff right here that you've got to, especially well, this is a big game for the Bears. Yeah, and sorry to cut you off, but I mean I think they have an idea of a plan in place. Because remember, they did go out there for three days last year to practice before their um, preseason game. And granted, I'm not saying they're used to it. Not at all. They're not used to it because that was a, over a year ago. But I think they kind of have an idea, their trainers and everyone, maybe have an idea of kind of how it's going to be or maybe a little plan in place. Yeah, let's hope. Because like I said, I <clears throat> from a climate perspective, this reminds me a lot of the Miami game. Again, oh, gosh. I cannot continue to point to that enough. It's going to be a different situation just because Miami was just flat out hot, humid. Um, and plus their visitor sideline didn't have any sort of shade or anything. So they had people holding up stuff. But it's it's still the same concept in terms of this is going to be an early year battle on the road in an unfamiliar place where there's going to be climate differences that you're not used to. So In a loud stadium, very loud stadium. Exactly. So I just I hope they have a plan in place because – they don't need, especially coming off of this last this last game, they don't need anything going against them. Like they said, I'm not gonna say it's a must win, and we'll get obviously we'll get more into it. It's not a must win, but it's pretty damn close to a must win because usually teams that start off 0 and 2. I mean, Seattle was kind of the outlier last year. Most teams that start off 0 and 2 are not gonna make the playoffs. I, mean, I, think, a I think the best way to kind of put this is I think the Bears go. The Bears determine their playoff fate this this. Week two, in the terms of they win, I think that you're back in the division. I, I feel more comfortable as a division winner. If they lose, I think that arrow starts pointing towards wild card more. I mean, I, I, does that I mean, kind of make sense to you? I, I I think honestly, if they, I think if they lose and the offense plays about as bad as they played this last week, I think you're going to start seeing some bitterness with defensive players in terms of they've carried this team for well over a year now. I mean, obviously this is all completely hypothetical. It's probably something we need to get into, but it's a big game. I mean, there's really no other way around it. And again, I mean, Denver was one of those games that has scheduled. Cause like you pointed out, if you're one and one, right, you, it's like you already lost a division game. Okay, whatever. But then you have Washington then you have Minnesota and then you have Oakland. I mean, those are all very winnable games, especially that Minnesota game is at home and the bears have, doesn't matter how bad or good they've been, they usually beat Minnesota at home. So it's one of those things where if you win next week, then all of a sudden you're one and one. You got a chance to go, you know, at worst I'd say three and two, but you know, ideally four and one into your bye week, you know, and you're you're back in good shape. It's almost kind of like what happened this year or this last year. But it's just it's a very big game. I don't even know how we got off on this the subject because I'm sure we'll talk more about it. But, but <laughs> no, um, I, I get what you're saying, and I and. If you were telling me the Bears after last night, if you were telling me the Bears just open up three and two, I'd actually take that <laughs> because just of how bad they were last night. Um, it wouldn't be any different from last year because they were they were three and one, and then they have three and three, and they still end up finishing twelve and four. I mean, granted, schedules are different the way you know every much year. Much tougher. But, I mean, yeah, three and two is not the end of the world by any means. No, not at all. Um, let's actually get into our interview before we kind of quickly wrap things up. Um, Aaron, gonna kind of want to break down an interview that you did. Yeah, so I was able to uh, interview Matt Forte and been on a nice little streak here this week. Uh, so he was doing a event um, with the uh, Courtyard Marriott. It was actually a really cool event, and he, he'll kind of break it down a little bit, so I won't get too uh, too crazy into it. But basically, um, they had a fan experience uh, in the middle of Chicago, um, and they basically what it is is they were out promoting 
um, what they had is a, it's called sleepover contest where basically there's going to be a group of fans that win this contest over the, the course of, uh, over the course of this year where they actually get to sleep in the stadium in Miami and the hard rock, whatever, whatever it is. I don't even hard rock, whatever. Anyway, they're going to be able to sleep in the Miami stadium overnight on Saturday before the Super Bowl on Sunday. So it was a pretty cool event, but got to catch up with uh, with Forte a little bit and talk, obviously, about that, uh, talk about what he's been doing um, in his retirement. Um, he's actually been doing some really cool stuff. And then um, just kind of his overall thoughts about the Bears, David Montgomery, and all that fun stuff. So, again, just to kind of, you know, give a little bit of an asterisk here, um, the recording software that we've used this last few times, and I just found this out, Apparently records in uh, mono, so you're pretty much going to have the same audio in terms of he's going to be coming out of one speaker headphone, I'm going to be coming out of the other. We'll get this figured out. Unfortunately, Skype kind of messed with us a little bit, and now you can't record uh, anything that has a phone call in it. So we've got to we've got to do our due diligence and, and come up with a plan. So hopefully this will be the last time that we'll have an interview that sounds like this. Yeah, we'll figure something out. We got to get we got to get uh, through that and find. Find something that we can uh, call, uh, record through phone calls. Um, all right, let's get right into that interview. We'll quickly come back and uh, wrap things up. All right, so uh, with us now is uh, former Bears running back Matt Forte. Um, he is with the Courtyard Marriott um, doing the uh, NFL fan kickoff experience. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Matt? How's it going today? Yeah, it's going well. I'm out here at the um, actually the Courtyard Fan Experience out here in Grand Park, but I'm excited to be out here the Courtyard celebrating the 100th season of the NFL and also the Bears. Um, but I'm out here promoting the Courtyard Super Bowl sleepover contest uh, for a chance for fans to wake up at the Super Bowl. Uh, this year, Courtyard is looking to celebrate the game-changing friendship of the NFL fan along with a group of their friends uh, that people can wake up at the Super Bowl. Literally, you can wake up in the Courtyard Marriott hotel room uh, overlooking the Super Bowl venue in the field. And so it's pretty cool that they can be able to do that. But um, they can enter the contest by just posting a picture of themselves um, and talking about, and just writing a short story on social media using the hashtag Courtyard Super Bowl Contest um, and just talking about their friendship and their game-changing friendship and how that came about. And so... Um, very blessed to be here, you know, and talk about that with Courtyard, but also just to celebrate the Bears in the hundredth year of the NFL, and uh, for this be here for this rivalry game tonight. So when does when does the contest actually end? Uh, so it's it's all season long, and uh, you know you you know you can join, like I said, by just posting a social media post and telling a short story about. Um, a, friend, a friendship that you had and how, how it changed the game. And then using the hashtag, obviously, Courtyard Super Bowl Contest, you could win. Well, that's pretty pretty awesome. I, I don't know about you. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you <laughs> you play the game, but I, I think it would be pretty cool regardless if you're a player or, you know, even, even fans, just being able to wake up at the Super Bowl, good to go. I mean, I'm amped up for the Bears game tonight, and I hardly slept, so I can't yeah. even imagine how it would feel uh, <laughs> being there right before the Super Bowl. So, that's awesome, man. It, it seems like a really cool thing, and it, it's really good that fans are going to be able to, you know, be able to enter this all year and all that. So now I wanted to get to some Bears questions because, like you pointed out, I mean, the, the, the Bears are playing tonight, playing the Packers, 100th year anniversary of both the Bears franchise and the NFL. So uh, just kind of wanted to get started here and ask you, you know, uh, what have you been up to since retirement? 
I've been up to a lot of stuff since retirement, man. Um, you know, I'm, I've while playing, you know, made a presence um, off the field and doing a lot of, uh, you know, foundational work and, and mentorship and things like that. But I'm trying to make more of a global impact now. So I actually work with an organization called Biblica. And uh, what they do is they uh, do Bible translation for organizations or for people groups who don't have a translation in their language. And so they, they do that. And recently I just got back from South Africa where we visited a school and we went to a, a drug rehab center and also a youth prison to encourage them through the word of God. And so it's, uh, I'm trying to make a global impact as well as in the States as well and use the platform that the NFL has blessed me to have and, um, you know, just do some, something positive. Yeah, that's excellent. That's, that's, that's really, really good stuff. I mean, especially being, being a Christian myself, that's, that's awesome to see you, like I said, using your platform and, and, and doing good. So yeah, I'm assuming uh, that there would be no interest in coaching down the line for you then. Uh, no, I mean, so, you know, doing the coaching stuff, um, I'd rather be a, a, so to speak, consultant. So I saw that, uh, uh, DeMarcus Ware did some consulting on pass rush for the Denver Broncos. You know, if the Bears ever called me to do something like that where I'm consulting with the running backs and, like, doing that, uh, I would definitely do that, just coaching them up on specific detailed things uh, that they may encounter as a running back in the uh, NFL and, and do that. But uh, coaching, it takes up a lot of your time, even more than as a player. And so for 10 years, I've always sacrificed a lot of time for my family and now that I'm retired, I'm able to spend a lot of that family time with them. Well, and that kind of leads into the perfect segue that I was going to kind of kind of wanted to get into a little bit with you is the the Bears running back situation. Obviously, they traded away Jordan Howard, uh, brought in Mike Davis as a free agent, and then uh, spent a third-round pick on uh, David Montgomery. So I'm kind of curious to get your overall thoughts on David Montgomery and how you think he's going to be able to fit Matt Nagy's offense this year. Yeah, uh, you know, the, yeah, the, the – they departed with ways with um, Jordan Howard. Uh, I was a huge fan of Jordan, and I think he's really talented. I think he's going to do really well with the Eagles. But, um, unfortunately, I don't think he fit the offense that Coach Nagy was running, and that came to be apparent in, in that, why they let him go. So, um, David Montgomery and watching him in the, in, uh, in his uh, first couple of preseason games, I like what I saw. I mean, he has really good vision. He has patience, and that's hard to find in running backs as rookies because they are so anxious to get out there and prove themselves from college. And so he, I, I love his, his uh, ability to set up blocks and make people miss, and he has decent hands. And so I think he can be really involved in this offense and that they can use many multiple running backs at the same time out there because they have Tariq Cohen and Mike Davis. And, uh, and I think Coach Nagy is creative enough to even use Cordero Patterson, who's played running back, even though he's a receiver, they put him at running back in different positions. So speaking of running back, I saw a tweet from you the other day that you said you were uh, born a little too early after the Zeke Elliott deal. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's good, though. I, I think it's it's nice to see, especially after the last few years, that running backs are finally getting paid. So do you, ha do you have any thoughts on, especially the Zeke Elliott deal that just came out? I mean, do you have any thoughts on that and where the running back position is yeah. in, in terms of value? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm proud that they're getting paid, you know, uh, and you know, I feel like any running back who has outplayed their contract, they should – they should be um, rewarded. And uh, it's, it's a shame that other um, positions, you know, they really don't give them that much trouble in, in rewarding them if they offer their contract. So uh, I think it should be the same for running backs, man, because if you underperform your contract, they will, uh, you know, either cut you or trade you to a different team or get rid of you. And 
you know. So if you outperform it, I feel like you deserve to be to be paid accordingly. And uh, I'm glad that you know Z got paid. And uh, yeah, I made a little joke about being born too early, but uh, that's just because um, of the amount that you know, obviously is is increased more and more now. And uh, I was always undervalued, you know, uh, as a as a player. But you know, I, I'm I'm not complaining about it because God blessed me to you know have the opportunity to play in the NFL and play the game. So I went out there and gave my all every single game. Well, it's spoken like a man that uh, definitely knows what he's talking about there. So I got a last question for you here. I'll let you get out of here. Uh, it's going to be a two part question. So the first part is. How important was it for you to be able to retire with the Bears? And then secondly, just your overall thoughts on the season and where you see the Bears going this year. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, super important for me to be able to retire with the Bears. And I thank them for allowing me to sign, you know, that one-day contract to be able to retire with them. And because, uh, you know, you, I was drafted there. There's so much love for me in the city. And I have a lot of love for the, the Bears fans as well. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have, have played and got drafted by a, uh, a better organization, you know, especially as a running back. You look at all the Hall of Famers across the board that the Chicago Bears have, but also following the footsteps of a Walter Payton. And uh, my expectations of the Bears this year are high. I mean, you look at last year, and obviously, you know, past performance isn't just a, a predictor of the future, but it can kind of give you tell a story. And um, I feel like they are going to have a dominant defense again this year. And, um, you know, praying that they obviously don't have a lot of injuries and that the offense takes another step forward in the second year under Coach Nagy. Excellent stuff, Matt. Thank you very much for uh, joining us, and hopefully have fun at the rest of the event. And uh, I'm assuming you're going to the game tonight, right? No, so I'm doing a post-game show with um, with uh, NBC Sports, and it'll be me, Lance Briggs, and Alex Brown, and Olin Krutz on that show. So we'll be doing that on NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, so I'll be covering the game and, and watching it. And I'm actually hosting a watch party uh, during the game in Grant Park. So huge, you know, watch party with all the Bears fans and all that stuff out here. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us and have a good rest of the day. All right. Thanks. And welcome back into our recap show for the Bear Report podcast. Unfortunately, we're not recapping a win. We are recapping a loss. Uh, we went through everything that happened Thursday night against the Packers. Um, Aaron, let's quickly kind of end this podcast with this. Are you panicking yet? Should the Bears panic? Is this the end of the world? Where are you ultimately at right now, almost 24 hours away from what was game time? Um, you've had some time to reflect. I'm not, I'm not panicking yet. I'm definitely still irritated, uh, definitely disappointed. I mean, it's never really fun. I mean, when was the last time they even won week one? You know, I, I can't even remember that because I think the – I think it was – what was I guess it was against Cincinnati. It was that 2013 in Trestman's first year. So it's been a while. And so, I mean, it would be really cool if they'd win week one. But, no, I don't think there's – I think there's reason to be skeptical, but I don't think there's actually a reason to panic yet just because, again, if they come out and they beat Denver next week and then they end going in the buy at 4-1, and one, then we're going to look at this game a lot like we looked at last year's game uh, week one and say, well, you know, it just took some time to get things figured out. You know, if Trubisky turns things around, then whatever. If this is a speed bump, then so be it. Um, if they go 0-2 next week, I think there's serious cause for concern, and it's going to be a very big uphill battle from there. But we don't know that yet. There's only one game we can go off of. And, you know, it, really what this comes down to is there's 17 weeks and there's 16 games in, in a regular season in the NFL regular season. I mean, it's just the way it is. And 
as we saw last year, I mean, the Bears were 3-3 three and three at one point uh, when they lost to Miami, and then they turned around and they lost to New England. And I think a lot of people at that point kind of thought maybe the Bears were a little in over their head, and then they went on to finish 12-4. and four. They lost one game after that for the remainder of the season. So, again, I, I just it, – it's one of those – I'm frustrated. Uh, obviously, we got a lot out of the podcast. We've voiced our concerns. There's nothing wrong with having concerns. There's nothing wrong with being frustrated or skeptical but I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet until we see what happens next week. Yeah, I'm not panicking. I tweeted out after everyone got on me for whatever reason. There seems like Twitter is already done with the Bears and is looking forward to uh, the draft and all that, but don't panic. There's 15 games left, guys. Anything can happen. I know the schedule's tough. All it takes is an injury to one player that completely changes the team's season and how they look, and it goes through maybe the Chiefs game or the Saints game or Cowboys from – looking like a losing game to maybe a winning game. You never know. Um, I don't think the season's over yet. It sucked last night. It really sucked to wait that long to see the team only scored three points. But think about this way. It can, it can only get better from here. At least I hope it can only get better from here. So let's, you know, let them rebound. Hopefully they get a win next week in Denver. Um, speak of that game, we're going to preview that next week on our podcast. We have some special guests uh, to come on and preview the Denver Broncos. Um, and hopefully, you know, in a couple of weeks we'll be talking about a Bears team that's 4-1, and 3-2, going into uh, the bye week. But we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, thanks again, Aaron, for joining me on this recap edition of the Bear Report Podcast. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can read my work on thebearreport.com. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z-A-K, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Oh, thank God it's Friday, man. <laughs> Um, you can read my work at the Bear Report. We have complete post-game coverage. Uh, a lot of great articles up right now. Uh, anything from Matt Nagy defending his uh, preseason sits to um, Aaron's winners or losers, Eddie Pinero talk, why Matt Nagy doesn't trust him for whatever reason, and a lot more. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.